We're back to the Neil Haley Show here on the Total Celebrity Segment, and I am excited about my guest today for both TV and radio, Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary from CNBC's, and I'm really excited about ta- talking about Money Court and also Shark Tank. Kevin, thanks for stopping by. How are you? Great. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. So I want to get started, and this is kind of a question I'm sure you've asked always. Did you always want to become an entrepreneur? Was that something growing up you always wanted to do? I've asked entrepreneurs that question uh, as I've met them through my career. It always is some uh, definitive moment that puts you on that path. About a third of the population uh, becomes entrepreneurs. Um, But for me, it was the humiliation of learning what it's like to work for somebody in an ice cream store and get fired because I wouldn't scrape gum off the floor. And um, that just was just something that didn't sit well with me. And uh, I have to thank that woman. She owned that ice cream store. I was in you know, high school at the time working there because I was interested in the girl working in the shoe store beside it. And it was just one of those moments of humiliation. I realized there's two kinds of people in the world. Those that you know, own the store and those that scrape the gum off the floor. And you have to kind of decide what, what you want to be and do. And I'm not dissing anybody that wants to have a career right. you know, in a corporate ladder, but it's just, I can't do it. And I never worked for anybody again. After that, so you just made that decision. How old were you when you made that decision? I think I was 16. 16. So what, what was next for you when you said, I'm not going to work for anybody? I'm gonna, I'm gonna I wanted this. to be a guitarist and a photographer. And my stepfather said, you'll starve to death. You're not good enough. Um, I went to college and I took psychology and environmental studies. And he said, you're still going to starve to death. Then I went and did a business degree and... Um, I really wanted to be involved in the uh, film business. I, I, you know, I had this oh, really? artistic desire. But so what I did when I got out of business school is I started a film production company that produced content for the original six hockey teams in Detroit and Boston and Philadelphia. And um, that was quite successful. And that was my first journey into entrepreneurship. We sold the company. We had a format called Don Cherry's Grapevine. Uh, We did another format called the original six and that was the sale of my first company. And I was off to the races, but I'd always um, wanted to go back to be, you know, trying my luck in bands. And, uh, but, you know, I've been fortunate on the financial route. And uh, today I have a massive guitar collection. I've got really great cameras and, um, I, I tease my dad saying I'm, I'm, I'm come back to haunt you because I can afford, I can afford to do this now. And I'm still editing. I, I actually grew up as a film editor on a, an eight plate Steenbeck um, and a cameraman. And so I, and, and every weekend I still cut on, you know, digitally now premier pro keep my chops going. My daughter's a producer in New York. So I think she's got a few genes off the old man from the TV side, but I, I've always thought that yin and yang in business is great. Um, it helps you solve problems, you know, arts and the, the chaos of it and the discipline of business. You, I would never have thought that. I mean, might have heard a little bit about it on Shark Tank. I'm a huge fan of Shark Tank. I would never have thought that you were in the entertainment business because the entertainment business helps you really in so many ways, being a performer as you know, when you did guitars to performing in front of people to being behind the scenes, you really understand how to tell a story. And that's an important part of everything in building something is that brand story. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I've, I have fortune. I've, I've been able to work with the uh, world's best showrunners, best television producers, Mark Burnett, Eric Schatz, that's doing a uh, money court and his team. 
Um, but I drive them crazy because I'm an editor. And when I see a, a, you know, a first cut of a show, I'm all over them. I'm just on the timing. <laughs> if there's a jump cut or something, it's a nightmare for them. <laughs> I'm sure because it's, it's your, you, that was the business you were in. Yeah, and I'm still in it. I'm still in it. I'm just on the other side of the camera. But, exactly. You know, I, I do uh, a lot of work uh, on the technical side. And, uh, you know, anyways, but in, in money court, um, you know, getting back to that, uh, th that really sprung from my interest. You know, I have a portfolio now of 34 pl plus companies. And in America, we've got 65% of our jobs are created by small businesses. And a lot of those were started by families. And so right. what you find out, you know, Money Court's not like the other judge shows where there's a cat screaming in the neighborhood and right. people are upset and they, they go into small claims court. These are real litigations. This is real money. These are real people suing each other. And the reason they're on money court is they know we've got a log jam in our courts because of the pandemic and they need yeah. arbitration. They want to settle it and they want to yeah. move on. And as one litigant said to me, I don't really like you, Mr. Wonderful, but I trust you. And I'd rather be trusted than liked or win a popularity contest. That's an interesting dichotomy. And so a lot of these cases that come, it's, I love the idea of money court because the fact is you're right. During the pandemic, it's harder to get court cases, different things. And people owe a certain amount of money. Is it mostly involving business a lot of times than some of the, your, uh, the people that come in with the money well, disputes? It, a lot of it's business, but it all involves money. What tears people apart, and this is why it's such compelling television, these cases, you're going to see yourself, you're going to see your family, you're going to see your cousin, your uncle, your brother, you've seen this happen to you. And now you're seeing it happen to somebody else. And it's how it gets resolved that matters. But some of this is really hard to, to you know, it's emotional. It's, it's, it's brutal to see a mother sue her daughter, for example. And, and just, you can, as you, as you peel that onion around the case, yeah, you've got the docket, you know what the claim is for, you know the litigation, and they signed for arbitration, but why is a mother suing her daughter? And how did that happen to that family? And when you go down that rabbit hole, that's when you start making some remarkable television. I mean, it's really, I'll tell you something about this show that you might find interesting because I've been doing TV a long time. And the people that, when you go to a studio like Telemundo and NBC Universal in Miami, where we shot this, that's state of the art. I mean, it's, right. it's the most incredible facility I've ever seen. And maybe we had a hundred people on the set, the sound people, the lighting people, the gaffers, the cameraman, you know, the, the, the makeup people, the caterers, they're all there. Yeah. And these people are pros. They don't watch TV. They make TV. Right. And so they're, they're jaundiced. They've done this before. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I remember one of these cases, I looked over to the right where the soundboard was and in every room, there's a line feed of what the truck is cutting off the, all the cameras. Right. And there was the entire technical staff glued to the monitor, watching this, this incredible story of this family ripping itself to pieces. And when the break hit, uh, the woman who did my makeup came over to me and said, I don't agree with you at all. I don't agree with what you're doing here. I think you didn't give the daughter enough money. And she was totally engaged. That's when I knew we had a hit. Because when the, the staff are watching TV and they're supposed to be making TV, you got to hit. Right. That's what I think. And that's in telling a story. And so the mindset of the story, what is that ultimate goal of Money Court? What do you want to show 
uh, the viewers that really can understand. I, I want I want to settle. I want to you know I have a federal judge in Adipozo who's seen a lot from the bench, a real federal judge and a real trial attorney in Katie Fang, and they give me all the legal attributes of the contracts involved, what the law says, but ultimately the decision is mine. And I always try and resolve for the business because if you think about a business, a family business, like the case you're going to see tonight, which is a crazy case. This is, most people think, oh, you're going to court because your business is failing and you're suing. Right. How about a case where you're so successful, you're making so much money that the partners sue each other because they don't agree on the direction of making even more money. Oh. I've never seen anything crazier than that. And I sat there listening to this saying, this is insane. You guys have an incredible business. You're making a fortune on free cash flow, and you're suing each other? Exactly. And, and they were. And it was, a, as you will see tonight, it's an amazing outcome. And I think people are really going to get engaged in, in watching these cases get arbitrated. What have you learned about the law being part of this? The law is interpreted by lawyers and by judges and by people. And it doesn't always resolve itself to optimize for an economic outcome. And so I think what's great about money court is I know money and I know business and I know people. And, you know, I try and solve for, yes, I'll listen to the law, but ultimately, if it's not going to save the business, I will. I'll make the decision that's right to save the business because the business has more than just the owners. It's got the customers. It's got the employees. It's got the legacy of the value they've created around their brand. Why would I want to see that destroyed? And I think that's what's unique about Money Court. Yes, it's a, a legal platform. But ultimately, it's my decision. So these decisions weigh heavily on me, and I want to make sure I get it right, particularly when a family's ripping itself to pieces. I have to ask you a question about Mr. Wonderful. I'm a legitimate six foot ten former professional wrestler. So I we I've gone in the entrepreneur route, but I was a pro wrestler, college basketball player. You know, I'm an intimidated guy at times, right? Is the how did you get the name Mr. Wonderful, and how much is it really Kevin O'Leary, and how much is it a little bit of a gimmick? I'll tell you where this stems from. When I was 14 years old, my mother said something to me that I never listened to then, but later in life, it became very, very relevant. That's what happens in life a lot. If you park it in your brain, sometimes it becomes useful, sometimes not. She said to me, Kevin, if you always tell the truth, you'll never have to remember what you said. And I said, bah, what does that mean? She said, think about it. You're going to be thinking one day to lie to somebody and you don't have to. You can just tell them the truth. But the, the thing about the truth is not everybody wants to hear it. No, and don't. so, so, you know, my role on Shark Tank is, is I'm the shark that tells you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear, because the real world is going to come and bite your Heidi anyways. And I think in the early demo days when we were shooting the pilot, you know, 14 years ago, 13 years ago, Barbara, who, you know, uh, we, we just don't agree on some stuff. Um, she said facetiously to me, your offer is a joke. You, you, you're trying to get control from these people at 51%. And it's the first time they've met you. Aren't you just Mr. Wonderful? We think that's when it started. And I thought, yes, I am Mr. Wonderful, Barbara, because I tell the truth and you don't. And so we got into it back then and we've stayed that way all these years. And obviously I have a relationship with her that's very healthy. We're good friends. She's a great cook. I can cook too. We often meet up in New York and, you know, prepare a big meal. I love that. And the only reason she gets anywhere and makes it to Shark Tank on time is I buy her a new broom every year. 
<laughs> See, what I think that helps you is being in the entertainment industry before being on Shark Tank. Some of them were, some of them weren't. And you really bring that, the, really bring a different side, especially when you see someone pitch something and then bam, you hit them with the truth. Which is important. Yeah, and I, I think it's unfair to call me the mean shark. I just tell the truth. And I mean, if you can't no. handle it, don't worry. It's going to catch up with you anyways. I don't, I don't think you really, are. That really is important for money court. And what we found in the casting to get these cases to actually sign these contracts is many people in America don't actually like me that much, but they trust me. And I'd rather be trusted to win a popularity contest. That was a great honor for me to hear that from people saying, look, we don't have to be friends, but I'll listen to what you do in terms of adjudicating my case or, you know, going through arbitration with you. And when we did the post analysis, in other words, interviewed the exit people after they settled, after they heard my verdict, 90 percent of them were happy with the outcome. So I'm, I'm taking a lot of pride in that. And I think this show will have a lot of legs because there's countless cases in America oh, right now. Countless. Oh, and I think we're, we're going to get a lot of them on money court. And it's too bad. Sometimes the businesses are really not at fault. Sometimes they are at fault. And that's where Kevin will rule. Uh, I have one industry question, another industry, and it's really becoming a big, big industry right now. And I want to get your take. And that's the space race with the space industry. It's becoming huge on Clubhouse. It's becoming everyone wants to get to space. What are your thoughts in the space race? I've had a, the opportunity to actually go and see Branson's facility. I've, I've had a chance to work with him on social media and see his uh, actual capsule that he flew in. Uh, I wouldn't do it, but he's a, a, an adventurous soul and I get it. I, I think this is going to be a good business. I really do. Not just from the, uh, the, the human perspective of the interest of seeing space. Everybody wants to see it and feel weightlessness. It's just, it's just human interest in being explorers. And I think they will commercialize that, but I'm more interested in being able to fly to London in an hour because I spend a lot of my time in Dubai or Saudi Arabia or the Middle East or in Switzerland. And I have to fly there six and seven hours. And some of this technology that's being advanced is for that suborbital travel that I can go from New York to London in one hour and five minutes. Imagine I can go there, do a meeting and fly back for dinner. That, that's, you know, we had that way back on this, you know, in two and a half hours with, uh, you know, in, in the very first supersonic planes that were commercial that, that I flew those and they were terrible. They were a tiny little yeah, you know, exactly. things with really noisy and, but still you got there quickly. Um, but I, I think this technology is going to spawn all kinds of industries and be good for investors. And then at one point you'll have businesses in space that's coming. I'm sure. Yes, absolutely. Already. I mean, there's yeah. so much opportunity and all this technology that's advancing so quickly, even what we're using right now to talk to each other has changed business forever. And it's changed the, the profile of what I do. And, and you see it in the money court, all of the technology that we use to make the show during the middle of COVID, but also all the people that brought their businesses and their litigation, there was so much tech involved. People have just embraced this and it becomes part of the economy and part of the way people run businesses. All right. So the best place, again, Wednesday nights, at 10 p.m. Eastern, Money Court on CNBC. Cannot wait to watch it. Kevin, you were, you're definitely a great interview, man. Just so humble in so many ways. And I would never have thought that from the show. So I appreciate the time and I have a different opinion, even though I love when you tell people straight, but hey, you got to do that, especially when you are the expert when it comes to as an entrepreneur. So I thanks for stopping by. I appreciate well, it. Thank you. And tonight's case is going to make some people absolutely go nuts. <laughs> you, you ain't seen nothing like this. Enjoy the show. 
All right. Thanks, Kevin. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. You're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment. 